our Father in heaven, uh, we are gathered here because you are worthy of all glory and honor and praise. And as a result of our time together in this hour, uh, may we have a better understanding of how to proclaim Christ in the relationships in our churches and in our communities. And as you have granted us the desire to present everyone mature in Christ, please grant us as well the wisdom to faithfully uphold your sufficient word in our own lives and also in those we minister to. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Well, as you can see, the uh, title of this course class, How to Begin a Biblical Counseling Ministry. If you're thinking, okay, that's maybe not me. I'm not actually looking at doing that. Um, hopefully you've learned by now that everybody is a counselor. counselor. Good. Somebody taught you all well. <laughs> And so there is still going to be very much an application for you in this, and so I pray the Lord will use it in your life. Well, one way to begin a biblical counseling ministry, for those of you who are married, is to get married, right? You get the opportunity to do counseling all the time, both with yourself and with your spouse. Um, and then if you have kids, uh, a picture is worth a thousand thousand counseling opportunities, right? <laughs> some formal, some informal. Uh, and so we all have the opportunity to speak the truth of God's word into each other's lives in the course of our own homes. But then also the primary focus of this session is biblical counseling in the context of the local church. And so uh, as we get started, um, we're going to look at the how to's, which I think is important. How do we actually do this? But I think before we deal with the how to's, we should deal with the why. Why have, why be a biblical counseling ministry? And so I'm going to seek to address both of those. Why have a biblical counseling ministry? And then how do we go about that? Some very practical things. <clears throat> and so I'm assuming everybody's got the notes um, there. You're going to notice there there's going to be a lot of the letter C. Um, I guess after reading Jay Adams' Competent to Counsel and maybe being a little OCD with alliteration. Um, that I've put a few too many C's in there. So at the conclusion of the class, if a couple of you competent counselors are going to feel compelled to counsel me concerning my compulsive counseling, <laughs> continual use of the letter C, feel so to do so. And I'll maybe even count that as your counseling hours towards your certification. But in the meantime, let's get started. Why a biblical counseling ministry? I think it starts first with a conviction that we just talked about. We are all counselors. We are all counselors. We've all been entrusted with the word of God. Let the word of Christ dwell in you, the church, collectively. Uh, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you, church, teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. And so in an informal sense, certainly we're all counselors. And um, Lord willing, we'll get the opportunities in a more formal sense to help people in very real ways with very um, sometimes difficult struggles. So conviction, this is from Ron and Tim Alchin in their book, and they said a church should not have a counseling ministry, but it should be a counseling ministry. And I think that's a good perspective to have, and it was good for me to go back and review all these notes as well. It should not just have a counseling ministry, it should be a counseling ministry in our relationships to one another. So that said, as we look at Starting a biblical counseling ministry, uh, personal conviction there. Um, 
this started for me. Uh, I finished seminary in 2003, uh, started within a month at Grace Community Church on staff there, and within a few months had been presented a couple counseling situations that I was not adequately equipped for. Uh, one, a young person, suicidal. Parents call me to, to come rescue the situation, so to speak. Right after that, a uh, couple in adultist relationship called in to deal with that. And uh, I was able to give them some good Greek words at the seminary. But I wasn't really able to help them with the sufficiency of the scriptures. And it was entering right into ministry with an MDiv that I realized I am not adequately equipped yet for this the way that I ought to be. And so it was that um, fall then, 2003, my wife and I and a few others from the church attended uh, the ACBC, what used to be NANC, um, annual conference in Little Rock, Arkansas. And a guy by the name of Jay Adams uh, came up to the platform to speak, and, and he came up, and he was older at that point as well, and uh, came up there rather than standing behind the pulpit and being all animated and dynamic like most of the speakers were. <clears throat> they put a little table down, uh, a little chair behind the table. He came up, put his Bible on the table, leaned back, and began to just teach. And as he was leaned back teaching, I was leaning forward on the edge of my seat, just taking it all in. And he just so beautifully um, taught Jesus' restoration of Peter. And in that, just so wonderfully showed the sufficiency of Christ and his word. And I was further convicted there personally that that... I don't know the scriptures in that way to minister to God's people the way that any and really every mature believer um, should do. And so it was those personal convictions in my own life, but then also um, our church really isn't there either. When we have somebody who has problems, um, what did the leadership do at that time? They sent them out. Now, they sent them out to the most biblical person we could possibly find. Uh, but they were they were sent out. Um, they weren't very much um, counseled usually within the church. And so those are personal convictions years and years ago the Lord used in my life. And then from that, just a little bit of the story of Grace Biblical Counseling in Glen Rose, um, we decided, okay, this is something that we're called to do. We're to be a counseling ministry. Uh, we need to begin to equip people formally in that process. And so we would load up from Glen Rose, go down to Houston to, at that point, NANC, ACBC, on-the-road training, and we would travel down there three weekends. We'd leave Friday morning, get back Sunday morning, usually by the time we got home. And then, you know, go worship on Sunday morning after we got home on Sunday morning, about one o'clock in the morning. After a few years of that, the Lord in his kindness um, directed uh, my heart and, and some others there to begin a biblical counseling ministry at the church and to get further training there. And so in God's providence... Uh, one of the elders at my church went with me to Faith Lafayette, Indiana. Anybody been there for their training? Okay, very good. Uh, we went up there for a conference, How to Start a Biblical Counseling Ministry. And it was wonderful. Very, very good at equipping us and how to think through actually doing this in a formal ministry to not just reach the church, but also the community with the gospel. And so conference is done, huge thunderstorm in Texas. Flight's canceled, right? Ready to get back, can't get back, no flight. So we go to the hotel, and at the hotel, uh, the elder I was with saw Terry Inns, who he knew from Grace Bible Church, who was with his newest associate pastor, Keith Palmer. 
And so I was introduced to Keith Palmer. We were both there for the same purpose, to learn how to start a biblical counseling ministry. And the journey's been wonderful and beautiful ever since. And so those are some personal convictions, and I'll finish some of that story here in a little bit. But let's jump into uh, to this. Um, the need for the church to uphold and practice the sufficiency of Scripture. So Heath Lambert... Um, get ahead here. It's already up on your screen. Heath Lambert said this in his book, A Theology of Biblical Counseling, which is a great book. He said, Counseling happens whenever a person with questions, problems, and troubles seeks to talk with someone they believe has answers and solutions and can offer help. All of us do it all the time. The wisdom that comes out of your mouth demonstrates where your trust is, whether it is in the wisdom of the world the wisdom of secular psychology, your own personal brand of wisdom, or the wisdom of God in the Bible. Okay, so as biblical counselors, where do we want our wisdom to come from? The wisdom of God in, in the Bible, right? That's why we do what we do. So to that end, Rob Green and Steve Ayers wrote, We pray that you want your church to not only have a counseling ministry, but to be a counseling ministry. You want your church to be a place where the sufficiency of Scripture and the doctrine of progressive sanctification permeate everything. You want your church to be a discipleship factory. Okay? And I'm assuming you're here and and that is part of your desire, right? And so what a a beautiful picture. In fact, if, if you've heard Steve Ayers and the story there, Faith Lafayette... At the time, 20 years ago, when I attended that conference in Houston, the first one, I heard him, and I remember being amazed. He said that about 50% of the people in his church came in through the counseling ministry. And at the time, I believe they ran about 1,200 people. And on Mondays, I don't know how many people they met with, but in the course of the years, many, many people came in, hurting people from the community, desperate, would come in, hear the gospel. Many come to Christ, or many realize I haven't been in a church where the scriptures are being taught. Um, but either way, people came in, and, and the church was largely built through that. And so certainly a great opportunity, not just to build up the, the saints and to equip the saints, but also to reach the community. All right. So that said, um, how many of you right now are a, a part of a church that, that has a, let's say, a formal counseling ministry? You have people ACBC certified or at least well-equipped, and, and they very intentionally, those are the people that... Okay, so if you, how many of you are in the process of trying to help that get started? Okay, very good. All right, that's just kind of helpful for me to understand as we go forward here. So that leads to the next point then, a corporate conviction. And so if we're going to have a biblical counseling ministry, um, this really shouldn't be a you going to establish this in your church. Okay, unless you're the pastor or one of the elders, uh, but even then, you want to make sure as best you can to get all the leadership on board as you seek to establish a biblical counseling ministry. Now, depending on the church you're in, that may be an easy thing. They may already be there. It's just a matter of logistics. Um, For me, uh, when I got started, there was one other elder that that got it. He went with me. And the others, sure, that sounds great, but didn't necessarily know what it was. Uh, Couldn't really advocate it because they didn't really understand a whole lot, and so it took time. It took time to 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 try to help them a little bit with that. It also took time to see the fruit of biblical counseling ministry. When they began to see lives were being transformed, and people were being disciples, like okay, yeah, we like that. Let's let's do that. And so 
depending on where you're at and the context you're at, um, have to be patient. It may not take place overnight. It may take years. Um, but I want to encourage you to, to do what you can to encourage your leadership towards that if they're not already there. All right. Um, so let's look at Jay Adams here, ready to restore a great, great book here. Did I skip ahead on you in my notes? Um, I hope that's it. So corporate conviction. There we go. So ready to restore, Jay Adams, he wrote this. God calls every Christian to counsel some people somewhere at some time about something. As a one-anothering activity, it is carried on among those who have mutual obligations as members of the church. Okay, and so we're all counselors. Um, It may be that you're not in a formal situation across the table or desk, uh, but we all have opportunities to speak the the word of God, the truth of Scripture, into other people's lives. And so building on that, Randy Patton said, uh, no part of our ministry is exempt from the influence of biblical counseling. It should permeate everything we do, because as a church, we, we speak the word of God to one another. David Pallison wrote, any encounter with objective human need opens up a counseling opportunity where a person's soul can also be touched. Okay? And so this is the beauty of what we get to do. And so the one another ministry of God's word should be twofold. One, a consistent public proclamation of the word. Okay? And I'm assuming all of you are in in churches where each Sunday... Uh, pastor, one of your pastors gets up and they just open the word of God and they exposit the word of God. Okay, um, what a blessing that is. And that is a primary means of grace that God has for us to grow and to change, to, to learn what it means to be a disciple. And also as they do that, they're in a sense counseling, but they're also equipping us to counsel others, teaching people how to understand the word of God. Um, even as I explain the word of God. And that's what we want to do on a private level as well. But a consistent public proclamation of the word, that's important. It's not either or. It's not public proclamation or private proclamation. We see both, both and in, in scripture. And so in Acts twenty thirty one, Paul says, For three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And as you study um, Paul's life, we know in Ephesus, he likely went to the public courtyard there and street preaching, if you want to call it, probably about five hours a day, just proclaim the word of Christ. Okay, so there's a public proclamation. You got the most public place he could where people would come to discuss the philosophies and wisdom. And he would proclaim Christ publicly for about five hours a day. Uh, and this is from Randy Patton. He says this, if your church is theologically sound it is likely that your congregation is already receiving biblical counseling in a general discipleship format. And so again, primarily that's going to come from the pulpit. Also, you're probably going to have Sunday school or some kind of Bible study um, where the Word of God is being taught. People are, uh, are being helped understand the Scriptures, small group studies. All these things can be used of the Lord. Uh, and that consistent exposition of God's word is, is primary. Uh, looking again at Acts chapter 20, uh, Paul says in verse 20, How uh, I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public, and in the second part, from house to house. Okay, so Sunday mornings we get the public proclamation of the gospel. 
But what if your pastor is working through, let's say, Genesis or or through Matthew or whatever it is, and you've got somebody you know is struggling with this, and while there's general truths about who God is and general principles, that's not exactly what would be most beneficial to them at the moment where they're hearing publicly. Okay, And so, yes, they need to get that, the whole counsel of God systematically. But also, it's important that we go to... Okay, how are you struggling? Where are you at in your relationship with the Lord? Um, and understanding that and then bringing to them personally from house to house, person to person, uh, the gospel. So the next point there, continual private proclamation of the word. And to that end, I think most of us know Colossians 1, uh, 28, um, him Christ will proclaim, uh, warning everyone and teaching everyone that we may present everyone mature in Christ. And so in those verses, Rob Green and Steve Ayers uh, wrote that biblical counseling is part of the way that maturity, teaching, and completeness occur within the body of Christ. We believe that throughout Scripture, this involved both a public and private ministry of the Word, a ministry of proclamation and a face-to-face ministry around the Word. And so again, uh, we want to, as we, if you're in the place of trying to establish a biblical counseling ministry... Um, we want to see both be healthy in the context of the local church, where you've got solid expositional preaching from the pulpit. But then also you have people who are coming alongside one another in between and helping them understand the word that they've heard Sunday and also the word as it applies to their particular struggles in life. Uh, it needs to be both and, not either or. And so to that end, uh, again, Rob Green and Steve Byers. Uh, wrote this. I'm sorry, this is Ron and Tim Alchin. Um, they said, the culture of biblical counseling will be stunted if church leaders develop convictions regarding the necessity of one another ministry, but fail to equip or allow others in the body to embrace responsibility toward one another. Likewise, if only some members get excited about biblical counseling, but church leadership is not on board with the training and direction, disunity and discouragement result. For lack of vision and leadership, the church will return to the status quo. Okay, And so we want to seek to be unified um, as we pursue this with the leadership and with one another. All right, Another thing to consider then is competency. Competency, equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. Uh, you have there in your notes, I believe I put from the ACBC standards, uh, should be a little paragraph there that says this, the commitment to competency. The calling to be a biblical counselor involves more than a commitment to the sufficiency of Christ and his word in helping people with their problems and living. It also involves a commitment to growing in the kind of wisdom and skill that produces counseling excellence. No counselor of the word has arrived at a place of perfection but biblical counselors work to achieve growing competency as they help struggling people. All right, how many of you have arrived? You are now the perfect perfect counselor. I mean, you're at weekend three, last session, advanced track. You got it. Okay? I've been at this, I don't know how many years now, and I still feel like I have a long ways to go. Right? There's still issues that I still have to really evaluate um, and read You know, what does God's word say about this? I've never even thought about that before. I know God's word is sufficient. And so we're always growing. We're always learning more. And so we continue to grow and to equip others in that process. So how do we accelerate uh, the growing competency uh, for ourselves, for those in our church? Uh, 
And so here's just some suggestions. This is getting into kind of the how-tos, right? We've all got conviction. All people are counselors. All God's people are counselors. Let's be good biblical counselors. How do we continue to grow in that? These are just some helpful, uh, very helpful things. Um, conferences uh, can be very helpful. How many of you have been helped these last three weekends? Okay. Yeah, I, I still go to these on my own because I still learn. In fact, almost every time I sit through a session, ACBC, a breakout session or a plenary session, whatever it is, there is a counseling situation I'm involved in. And it's like, oh, that was so helpful. I had never thought about it like that. Or I'm encouraged by some way. And so, again, very, very helpful. And so I want to encourage you, um, if you can, the ACBC annual conference, very, very good. Um, we just got to go to the one in Memphis uh, a few weeks ago. And there's my kids with Jay Adams. They enjoyed getting to know Jay Adams a whole lot. <clears throat> Josiah got to talk to uh, Summer Johnson as well afterwards a little bit. We had good times with, with Dale. So it's, it's neat just to be encouraged in the relationships that were there. But those annual conferences are so good. Next year, mark your calendar. It's usually the third through the fifth, somewhere in there. Um, it's in California. So if Christians can do that, no, just kidding. <laughs> you like from California? Okay. So, no, it's, it, it is an expensive conference, though, if you go out to California, probably. Uh, so you can go in person, which is great. You know, I highly recommend that, just conversations you'll have. But also what I'm looking at doing at our church, um, in part because I don't want to go to California, but in part because I think I can get more of our people, hopefully, to attend, is we're going to they do a group thing that will start in about January. And I think if you get 10 or more, however it is, you get a group rate, and you just live stream it into your church, and you can kind of do the conference at your own church. So that's a way that you can do it if you can't make it to California, which takes more time and more expense. And so I would encourage you to consider that. So that's just one way of training. Another one, the regional um, event training. Um, I think the one in Texas this year, the on-the-road training or whatever they call it now through ACBC is in uh, Austin, I believe, so not too far away. And so I would encourage you, you know, if you want more training for yourself or... Think of those that you could take with you to get excited about learning more about the sufficiency of Scripture. And you may not be able to talk them into it in the course of an hour conversation over coffee, but if you can get them to go to that, you won't have to talk them into it probably because they, they've seen it demonstrated. And so those are good both for training and helping others understand and grow. And then a third option just for practically helping people are the ACBC Certified Training Centers, which this is one of those. Um, and you can go to biblicalcounseling.com and find out where those are. Uh, is everybody familiar with vcbcd.org? No. Okay. So that's basically the Regional Training Center's website. So this conference is under the umbrella of the cbcd.org, T-H-E, cbcd.org. And all the audio from all tracks this weekend will be on there for free, um, usually within a couple of weeks. Tons of blogs, podcasts, almost everything we've done in the past. If you're working on your exams, which hopefully you are or will, uh, you can go there and you can hear most of the guys that have been teaching this weekend teach through every exam question, okay, which is very helpful. And so tons of resources out there to encourage and equip. So thecbc.org, another good website, ibcd.org. They've been doing the same thing that cbcd.org is doing, uh, but a lot longer. And so there's a lot more resources on there. So if I'm counseling somebody or somebody asks for help, a particular resource, I may go to the cbc.org, ibcd.org, and say, hey, you know, here's a couple of great articles or a podcast or a blog 
um, this might be something helpful to you. So counseling training considerations and, and helping people, very helpful. I would say, though, church training considerations are the most helpful. Okay, uh, it's in the context of the church primarily that discipleship should be taking place. Okay, conferences are great, a good you know boost boost in the arm, um, but church training should be primarily. To that end, Heath Lambert, former ACBC director, said this: If counseling is grounded in our understanding of the truth, and the truth is rightly upheld in the context of the church, then counseling finds a real home in the church. The people in the church, whether leaders or members, demonstrate that the church is indispensable in the ministry of counseling. And to that end, uh, Mark Dever in his book, Discipling, um, wrote this. I must have got ahead. There we go. The Bible teaches that the local church is the natural environment for discipling. In fact, it teaches that the local church is itself the basic discipler of Christians. It does this through its weekly gatherings and its accountability structures as well as its elders and its members. This in turn provides the context for one-on-one discipling. Okay? And I had the the blessing I missed the weekend in October um, because I was at the ACBC conference and we got lost on the East Coast and wound up at Mark Devers Church, Capitol Hill Baptist Church and got to attend there and that was wonderful. And afterwards, I'm going to talk to Dever and Mark Feather um, just about their counseling ministry. They're known for their discipleship and counseling. And uh, it, was, it was beautiful just to see how intentional they are with everything they offer in equipping God's people. Uh, we want to be those kind of churches where we're really seeking to make disciples. Uh, because that's our calling, right? Go therefore and make disciples. Um, and that takes place, should be taking place primarily in the context of the local church. And that's why Wayne Mack said this, excellent book, Life in the Father's House. Attempting to grow in Christ outside of the church is like trying to learn to swim without ever getting into the pool. So visualize that. And, and that is so true. Discipleship counseling should take place primarily in the church. So some practical considerations of how to equip those in your church to help you further equipped um, towards biblical counseling. Um, these are, are some things that, that I've done, things I'm aware of. Um, the ACBC exam class. And so I got certified back in 2005, 6, I'm not sure, it's been a while. Um, how many of you are intimidated by the ACBC exams? 44 essay questions, right? Sounds intimidating. And it takes time, right? There's reading, there's understanding, and then you actually have to write. So I decided I have to do this. I can't make excuses. Something else is always going to come up. I've got to set a time, let my family know, uh, let my work know. Thankfully, as a pastor at the church, so they weren't too put out by the fact I was wanting to do the CBC exams. Um, and I decided, okay, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to take some people through it with me. In fact, I'm going to teach a class. We're going to go through the exams. And so I was held accountable because I had to teach the question. <laughs> so maybe you don't teach the class, but maybe you have a friend or a group of friends or get together. And okay, we're going to try by this next class to answer this one. How many of you are more likely to get it done that way than if you think, oh, yeah, I'll do that. I'll, I'll just do it. 
we usually just don't do it, right? But when you've got somebody to encourage you and come alongside to discuss, it's much better. So that might be something you consider as a church, is teaching through the exam questions together. Or you come together and you pull up the cbc.org and you go to the next exam question and you watch it together and then discuss it because it's already been taught on. Okay? So great resources available. Uh, another thing, continuous um, counselor training. This just came out. I was introduced to this at the annual conference in Memphis. Um, Transformed from Brokenness to Wholeness. And uh, Dr. Greg Gifford and uh, Dr. Dale Johnson, um, I forget how many sessions there are, season one, two, and three. It's, it's actually a really neat thing they're doing. There's a free one you can watch on OCD, um, which maybe I need to listen to concerning my use of the letter C. But uh, anyways, um, what they do is Dr. Johnson gives kind of the theology doctrine behind... OCD, Greg Gifford actually meets with the person who's volunteering. It's kind of like a reality TV show for biblical counseling. And so Dale describes you know, what the heart issues are, the direction things need to go. Greg actually sits down with a, a real live person who's really a counselee, not an actor, pretending to be a counselee, but really a counselee. And they're counseling them, and you get to see how it's done. Uh, very, very helpful. So a good training resource. And so that's another option there. Transformed, you can go to... Um, I'm assuming it's on ACBC website, but if not, um, just look that up, Transformed, um, Dale Johnson, it'll come up. Other things that are helpful in equipping people, both Faith Lafayette and IBCD have put together um, biblical counseling sessions. They're on DVD, or you can download them now and stream them. And what they've done is taken some of the most common counseling scenarios and you have people like Randy Patton and Kevin Carson and well, I, guess, well, I guess Kevin Carson's in those, but um, others who are counseling in this scenario. I'll go ahead and run it for you. They're counseling counselors pretending to be counselees. But you probably wouldn't know that because it seems so real. But what they're doing is they're helping you understand how do you actually do this? How do you take this marriage problem or this addiction problem and how do you help this person understand the heart of the problem and the behavior that flows out of that and how do you take them to the gospel and how do you help them to live accordingly? It's really, really good. And so those of you going through the training, those also count as your observation hours. You're required 10 observation hours of somebody who is ACBC certified. Those videos count towards that. So just another resource to, to equip in that direction. Um, counseling supervision, again, this is a great way to equip people. Um, and so this is phase three of the ACBC certification. Phase one is track one. Um, phase two, you've got to read, I think, a thousand pages. Um, it's been a while since I've done that now, but read a thousand pages and do your exams, just 44 essay questions. It's not as bad as 50. And they're all very good, you know, using the rest of your life. So it's, it's worth the investment. And then phase three is, to me, was one of the most helpful. It's when I was actually sitting down counseling somebody, and I had Keith Palmer or Brad Brandt or Randy Patton, one of those guys, and after every session I would send them 14 questions I answered, that simple and short, but that gave them an understanding of the situation, how I counseled, um, and they would counsel me in how to counsel. These guys who had years of experience, that was huge. It helped me to, to see not only how to do it better, but also as a counselor, what are my strengths and weaknesses I need to be aware of as I work with others. 
And that was such a blessing. And so that, again, is part of the benefit of going through the, the certification of ACVC. Uh, and they didn't pay me to say that. But counseling observation and explanation, again, very good. Sit in with people. Um, watch. Um, I'll talk more about that. We're going to talk about that. Um, so the, the counseling ministry we do with anybody from the community, especially from the community, and a lot of times within the church, um, if I'm counseling, I've got somebody else from the church sitting and observing. Okay? What are some reasons to do that? Yeah, these days, protection liability, right? You, you want to have an alibi. And training. Yep. Exactly. And so not only are we counseling, but also they're getting trained in how to do this. But also as a counselor, though I've been doing this for years, do I do it perfectly? No. And so sometimes it's very helpful afterwards that, you know, there was this halo data that I think you totally missed. You know, you might check into this, ask a few questions regarding this next time. Or, you know, I think you just missed them all together and what they were trying to say and what you understood. Those types of things are helpful, both for me in the counseling process, but also for the counselee, that there's a team of two um, doing that. And so very, very helpful, would encourage that. Um, another thing that, that we offer at our, our church now is a counseling resource center. And as, as we're trying to equip people, we have a, be our intern's office, and we've turned it in part-time to a library. And so anybody working on their ACVC exams, know where that is, and uh, can go in there. And they don't have to buy the book. They can just check one out and, and read that and turn it back in, right, when they're done. And that works really well um, because it does get expensive. I mean, the books that will help you answer the questions um, are there. Another resource I didn't put on here that's super helpful. So Keith Palmer, years ago, put together on the ACVC exams kind of an outline for each question and then recommended resources for those. And we had a counseling intern who got assigned the job of taking all those resources recommended, putting all of them together in a little file. And we have a file cabinet now. For those working through the exams, they can go into that room, they can pull out question number five, and here is the best stuff put into writing that will help you answer that question. Okay, so we've made it as easy as possible to those that want to work towards certification to getting the best information as quick as they can. So they're not spending a lot of time looking for resources. They're just reading and learning. Um, so that might be something to consider as well. And I'm sure Keith would be happy to send you a copy of that if, if you wanted that. Um, number seven, equip every believer. All right, going back to Colossians 1.28. Him we proclaim. And notice the words in yellow up here. Warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Who's left out? Okay. And so we want to equip everyone, right? Uh, to be mature in Christ. We want to proclaim Christ and help them to be mature in Christ. To that end, uh, raise you endeavor, uh, ask some good questions for us to consider they say, how do we make it normal for all Christians to assume a responsibility to counsel the word? Well, that's a great question. How do we help the leadership grow towards an eagerness to counsel and shepherd? Do the members of your church see it as normal to care for one another? If not, how can you help them live more proactively as disciples? 
Okay, great questions. And part of the reason I'm with the Capitol Hill Baptist Church is because I know they do it well there, and I wanted to learn from them so we can do it better at our church. Okay, we can always be more faithful in that process. Charles Spurgeon said, Let us never think we have learned a doctrine. This is so good. Let us never think that we have learned a doctrine until we have seen its fruit in our lives. All right? And so, in other words, it can't just be intellectually. We want to see the fruit of that produced forth. And certainly we want to see that in our counselees as well. All right. In the context of your local church, um, here's just some suggestions on how to work towards a one-anothering dynamic that would hopefully become normative in the context of your church. Um, So first, from the pulpit ministry, uh, Timothy said, or Paul wrote to Timothy, 2 Timothy 6.2, he was to preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching all right so how might again going back to expository preaching how might a solid expository preaching lay a foundation for a biblical counseling ministry Mm -hmm. okay yep it's a regular exhortation again modeling right I mean, they're talking to a group from the pulpit. Uh, we just personalize that to an individual. Now, if you're counseling somebody and they're sitting across the desk, you don't want to give them a 45-minute sermon, right? <laughs> Rather, we're asking questions to help them understand, though we do need to teach some things that they might not understand. Uh, it's a little bit different, but at the same time, they're setting an example of understanding the Scriptures, right? We need to understand the scriptures. And so um, as far as the counseling ministry, there's been many times to the counseling ministry where I have given a homework assignment uh, that would contain a sermon. Okay, And maybe it's a sermon we just heard. They heard it. And as I'm thinking about their scenario, I want to make sure they're making the connection that there's application. Right? It's easy to be a hearer of the word. Oftentimes it's much more difficult to be a doer of the word. And so sometimes just letting those Sunday sermons be part of their, uh, your homework assignment can be really, really good. In fact, at our church right now, we're doing uh, on Wednesday nights our small group Bible studies. Um, we take Sunday's sermon and the teaching, whoever preaches that Sunday makes application questions. And we get those usually Monday afternoon and then we come together on Wednesday nights and we discuss the content of what was there, there not just for further understanding, but rather for application that we would understand it okay now how can we pray for each other in light of the word that we heard and so collectively we're encouraging each other in a sense counseling each other and then praying for each other in light of the word okay Um, another way that you might equip others in in discipleship for biblical counseling is through sunday school or whatever uh, bible study format that you have um Several years ago, um, I used our fall Sunday school class to teach a whole series on biblical discipleship. And the humbling thing about teaching that class is guess who was seated in there? Dr. Dell Johnson, (laughs) who at the time was a professor of biblical counseling at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. But I guess he listened pretty well because he wound up becoming the executive director of ACBC. So it all worked. 
Who would have known? But Sunday school can be that. And I took a whole semester just to talk to the church about biblical discipleship. What is it? How do we do it? How do we do it in the context of the home and parenting and whatever it is? And so just intentional in equipping people. Again, another one, um, small group studies. Again, I mentioned our Wednesday nights. Um, and, and, and even in that, we've sought to be intentional in helping people understand the word and live out the word. Uh, one of the first things uh, when I came to, to GCC is, is realizing that a lot of people hadn't even read through the scriptures yet, all the way through the scriptures. And so we took a year on our Wednesday nights and we read through the entire Bible. Um, and it was, it was wonderful. And, and literally, for mem- many, I remember them saying, that's the first time I've ever read through the scriptures. And that was so good. In fact, it was so good, a lot of them did it again. Uh, and so just helping them to get the whole counsel of the Word of God. Other books, just regarding our, our sanctification, our worship, we've gone through books like DeYoung's The Holy and the Holiness, really good one as far as sanctification. Um, when Grace Transforms, uh, a study of the Beatitudes. Here's what it looks like uh, to be a follower of Christ, and, and that is so good. Um, other ways we can equip people uh, to do counseling formally or informally, um, men's studies. And this is just an example of some things that we've done in the past. We've worked through books of the Bible, um, one of them being the book of Ephesians. And so if you're going to counsel, and this, this came from Dr. Babbler, who was my wife's professor at Southwestern Seminary, maybe a good place to start in, in biblical counseling is to really get to know the book of Ephesians um, because it's condensed doctrine so good the gospel is so clearly there but then also very practical applications that hit where most people are at in some aspect of life right and so uh, that's an easy one to get to know really really well so you can counsel that and then other things we've done exemplary husband okay how important is it that our men know how to be biblical men Okay, um, so so important. They know how to love their wives as Christ loved the church, and so books like that, "Keeping the Heart" by John Flavel. Uh, anybody read that? Okay, was it good? Oh yeah. <laughs> okay, would you recommend it? Oh yeah. Oh, okay, I didn't have to recommend it. They recommended it for you. I, I think there's still some left in the resource center. That's great. In fact, my wife just finished that, or they're finishing that with my daughter. My daughter liked it so much; she's done a study with her friends. Uh, John Flavel is a Puritan. So, so good. I, I, I wish I could just teach him that book in this hour, but that's a really good one. Why do we do what we do? Because of what's in our heart. So how do we keep the heart? Proverbs 4.23. All right. Finally, free Heath Lambert. Again, this is for guys. Um, how many guys do we know who struggle with pornography and lust? That's what this book is about. It is one of the best books on the doctrine of sanctification applied specifically to somebody who's struggling with lust. Very good resource. Um, and recently... Uh, we did this through those in counseling training and also with our juniors and seniors in high school. I took them through the Pilgrim's Progress with Wayne Mack's two-volume commentary called Christian Life Issues. And I would suggest to you that if you went through Pilgrim's Progress with Wayne Mack's two-volume commentary, Christian Life Issues, you could answer most of your ACDC questions from that. I think you would be very, very well equipped uh, it's just sound doctrine, comprehensive. And the thing I love about Pilgrim's Progress is it sticks with you, right? How many can relate to Giant Despair Down in Castle? How many can relate to The Flatterer? How many can relate to Adam the First, Enchanted Ground, right? Those stories stick, and you can use those in counseling to drive home a doctrine. And so another great resource. Women's studies, some of them that we've done uh, in the past. 
Uh, I have a ton of them, but uh, my wife and others. The Excellent Wife by Martha Peace. Um, really, really good book just for being a biblical woman. Um, and one that my wife used several times with others, Courage uh, by Wayne and Joshua Mack, uh, dealing with a fear of God versus the fear of people um, rather than people approval, God approval. Really, really good book. Um, and then uh, just a final thought here for training counselors uh, in your church is to provide continued training, right? We, we all need it. If we're not growing, then, then we're, we're moving backwards. If we're not going up the hill, you know, think of being in a river. If you're not paddling and going up, then you're going to be going backwards, and we all need to continue to learn. So this is from the ACBC standards. Again, it states this, Biblical counselors must be committed to ongoing education and training to remain effective. New counselors always arrive with fresh problems, and counselors are in constant need to grow. New counselees always arrive with fresh problems, and counselors are in constant need to grow in wisdom and skill. Biblical counselors, therefore, never quit learning, but always seek to grow their base of knowledge concerning the truths of Scripture, information about the problems that people face, and the wisdom that comes through counseling. When a counseling problem falls outside their area of competency, counselors are honest with counselees about their limitations and seek help from others with greater competency. Okay, in other words, you're going to be faced with something as you're working with somebody else that you're like, whoa, what do I do with that? I remember the first time uh, somebody came in that was cutting. Like, whoa, that's bizarre. What do I do with that? Uh, and again, it's not a new thing under the sun, right? And there's people who dealt with it well biblically, and so there's others that we can go to for help. Okay, so considerations then in starting a formal biblical counseling ministry. These are just some nuts and bolts, some practicalities. And if you're doing this in the context of the church, which is where it makes sense, counseling um, resources for counselors and counselees. So um, what are the things that you might need to uh, provide for them. These might be budgeted things that your church budget might ask whoever puts that together. Would you please budget these things to make this more doable for those doing the counseling and those also being counseled? Um, counselor training. Uh, I would encourage you in the context of the church to try to budget to send people or at least, at least offset the cost of going to things like um, this weekend or the ACBC annual conference or uh, a solid book to work through together as a team. Uh, this is a great investment, right? And most churches would be willing to, to help um, budget towards that. Certification cost. Um, if you want to be ACBC certified, there are some costs, some application fees, whatever else, and, and now the supervision fee, I'm not sure what it is now, but several hundred dollars. Um, and that's just to kind of a thank you for the many hours of those people who are helping you through that process. And so that's good. Our church pays for all that, for all those who are pursuing formal counseling because we see it as worthwhile. And so that's something to be budgeted. Um, community awareness. If this is something that you're ready to put your counseling ministry before the community, how are you going to communicate that? Uh, through brochures, um, a website, um, sign, whatever it may be. And just some, some questions that you might think through as far as how to communicate your biblical counseling ministry and, and what it is, what's it going to look like, um, how much does it cost, um, all those different things. Those are important to communicate. Uh, number five, um, counselor lunches and or appreciation. And so, again, if you have a formal counseling ministry, you're training towards that, you want to get people together, um, 
Tuesday, some of our people are gathering, and I'm going to introduce and discuss part of what we're going to do next year for our training. And when they arrive, they'll probably find some chocolates or something like that, maybe some yummy snacks. They're going to all come now. Um, so those types of things, just to say thank you, um, equip them with a, a free resource that can, can further serve them. Uh, next, counseling session items. Um, and so an example of this, when we do counseling um, formally, we usually give them homework. And that's part of track one, right? Key element number six, um, we buy little carbon paper. And I like the one with three copies. Ladies get the pink. As you get the yellow, and somebody else gets the white one because it's going to be the clearest to see, um, however you want to do that. But these cost money. I mean, it's not much. Um, we put our logo on here just because. I don't know why, but we did. Um, and so things like that. Kleenexes. If the church doesn't have them, you're going to find we do counseling. People like to cry. They don't really like to cry, but they're going to cry. And a Kleenex is a great alternative to their sleeve. And so... I mean, silly things like that, but budget issue. Um, bottled waters, always great to have. They come in, you know, you get to talk to somebody, you're nervous, your throat gets dry. You know, we budget for water. Things like that, just very simple things. Um, very helpful, if you don't already have it, a whiteboard. Uh, I do a lot of diagrams or questions. I'll put it on the board so they can see it and really think about it. Um, and so a whiteboard, if you don't have those, it'd be a budget thing to put in there. And when you set up a formal counseling ministry, you're one going to check into um, insurance. Okay, and so for our church, it's trivial. We use Church Mutual, and to add on biblical counselors is next to nothing. Okay, um, maybe different with your insurance. Some may consider it a huge liability, and it may be a big budget item. For us, it's next to nothing. That's just something you'll have to check with um, through your church. And another thing, when you're doing Counseling, especially when we got started, um, we had a lot of young kids, and a lot of them we were people who were counseling had young kids, and for us to be able to counsel them, somebody had to watch our kids, and oftentimes they couldn't get babysitters, and so we wound up um, budgeting to hire babysitters because after a while my wife and I just couldn't afford that anymore, and so um, that may be a consideration. Well, a very practical thing, but a consideration. Next, con- contemplate what other ministries have learned. Okay, and so as you're looking at how to start a biblical counseling ministry, um, don't try to reinvent the wheel. The wheel's turning pretty good right now. Um, study uh, those who have already done it and learn from them. And so I put there just several articles, links, uh, that I would encourage you to read through if you're looking at starting a, a formal biblical counseling ministry in your church. Uh, another thing to consider is community counseling. Uh, as part of what you're going to do, if it's going to be in part to reach your community with the gospel, uh, with people who will literally come knock on your doors and form a waiting line to get in to talk to somebody about their problems, knowing that you're going to share the gospel with them, um, then as part of that, um, what, what do you need to consider uh, logistically? How can you make it work and be consistent? When we started initially, we had a set afternoon evening where we did our community counseling. And that worked really well for a long time. But then now we've got a diversified group of counselors, some retired and, and schedules, and we just, it doesn't really work to get everybody on the same day now. Um, and so they're kind of on their own. They just let me know when they're going to be using one of the counseling rooms or whatever else. Um, but those things need to be set days and times. 
Also, clearly communicate your church's expectations for your counselors. And what that might look like is community counseling requires a supervisor or trainee to be present. Okay, and we already talked about the reasons for that, for training, for liability, uh, just for overall better counseling. Um, also, child care provided for um, counselors. Um, that should be, yeah. Yeah, and so they need to give us a notice on that. Um, file each counseling session agenda and case report form. And so if you're going through the formal process, there's a case report form um, and then your agenda. I always take notes while I'm counseling. That helps me in several ways. One, to keep track of the main issues, what we've covered. Uh, if you're counseling most, multiple people, that's helpful because you don't want to start getting people mixed up. <laughs> right? And so I always go back and literally review everything that I wrote um, and then look at what still needs to be accomplished and use those. But then also, should there be some kind of liability issue? Um, generally, that's a good thing if you've still got your notes, uh, what you've talked about. Um, number four, in our ministry, only men um, can formally counsel men. And so we wouldn't let a lady, by our convictions in Scripture, um, do formal counseling with a man. Okay, And certainly never alone uh, in that. Um, five, have a policy and procedure for mandated reporting of legal issues. And so each state is different, but if, if there's a, a child abuse issue, you know, what CPS look like? And so it's important to know those things. And they change quite a bit, so you got to always look them up. But work with a doctor related to physiological and medication issues. And so, again, we don't want our counselors pretending to be the doctor, right? Um, with the website, a lot of people do that for themselves. We don't want to be doing that with our counselees, okay? We're bringing them the word. We're going to send them to a doctor for their physical ailments, okay? So we have to be careful and use wisdom in that. Um, also, number or the next letter there, clearly communicate expectations for the counselees, okay? So those are coming for help. And so somebody uh, wants to do counseling through us, um, we usually only schedule appointments after we've received their PDI form, their personal data inventory form, and their counseling agreement form. They've agreed, yes, we will put ourselves under your counseling, um, and, and so that's very important um, that, that they abide by that. Does anybody have the time? I can't read that. 4.55. Okay, very good. I was thinking maybe it was something 30 almost. I was like, wow, I went way over. Like can't really see that. So thank you. Five minutes. We can do it. Um, and so that's really important. And that helps for a lot of reasons. Um, one, they know what they're getting when they come. Two, initially I didn't require that. And they said, oh, yeah, I'll be there. But then they never showed up. And I cleared my whole calendar that night to meet with them. We got child care, and they just don't show up. After a couple times of that, eh. So when they turn in a PDI an agreement, they're usually going to show up unless they're sick or something. So it's just making sure they're, they're committed to the process. Also, make sure the counselees uh, read and understand the agreement form. And again, that's so important just as far as a liability perspective. Um, and, and that'll make sense when you read through one of those. Number three, um, attend if, if they're not a part of a church, like meaningfully a part of a church someplace then uh, I'll usually require them to attend at least one of our gatherings each week. I want them to be around other believers. 
I want them to hear the truth from other believers. I want them to learn what it means to be a part of the church or somebody to share the gospel with them in another context if, if they're a non-believer. Um, and so very, very important there. Number four, and, and this is for us, our counseling is free. Um, when people come in, uh, they don't pay a thing. Now, if, if we recommend a resource, um, you know, our policy in our bookstore is if you have the money, pay for it. If not, if you'll read it, take it. And so we want to make sure um, they understand it's it's free and, and what that looks like if they need a resource. Another thing, consider legal reorganization and having an attorney on retainer. Now, some of you just got scared off. <laughs> okay. We don't have an attorney on retainer directly that we have a ministry that I do contact every now and then. Um, we did when we got started based on how to start a biblical counseling ministry at Faith Lafayette with Keith Palmer in Indiana. Uh, we were encouraged to do an LLC, and we did that. We happened to have a lawyer in the church at the time, really easy to set up. Um, ACBC just did a session at the annual conference with two lawyers, and you can probably stream that, and they basically will give you the template of how to do that. And it's actually in several of the biblical counseling books, How to Start a Biblical Counseling Ministry. And so you don't have to um, invent that wheel again. It's, it's already been done, and so those resources are available there. And, and some of the reasons to do that is if somebody were to come after Grace Community Church um, because they didn't like the counseling they got or their spouse left them or whatever it is and, and we gave biblical counseling, um, then they can't get the assets of the church to the biblical counseling ministry. If they sue the biblical counseling ministry, <laughs> they're not really getting anything because they don't own anything. Uh, and so there's just some benefit to that. There's pros and cons. And that book um, that just came out on legal issues and biblical counseling, I think was the name. Dell Johnson was the main editor, and Wilder, and uh, I forget the other guy's name. Um, anyways, that book will answer any of those questions. So good resource. And another thing here, um, building, oh, go back here. Building a biblical counseling ministry is a marathon, not a sprint. Okay, maybe it helped illustrate this. Um, my family, most of us enjoy mountain biking. And so a few years ago, we went to Tennessee to visit my parents. And we went uh, up to a little cabin near Fairfield Glades. And we ha hauled five mountain bikes on the back of a minivan for however many hundreds of miles that is. We were going to bike. And so I started asking around, because Tennessee's known for its bike trails. So I started asking around, where's a good place to bike around here? And, and they said, well, there's some good hiking trails. But I'm not really sure about biking trails. So hiking trails, if they can hike it, I can bike it, right? So anyways, here is the experience. So I uh, got a little rocky, tires weren't going to go through it, tried to clip out, foot was caught on a rock, and the rest is history. <laughs> Legs split, split open, and how appropriate, fast-paced, urgent care <laughs> clinic. So the point of this, it's going to take time to build a solid biblical counseling ministry, um, especially if you're looking at doing that towards a community, and... Don't have the expectation, I'm going to do this, I'm going to have it done by January 1st. Right? If you do so, you may wind up at the fast-paced urgent care <laughs> clinic. Okay? Do this prayerfully, do it with much counsel and wisdom, 
but it's worth doing, right? It is worth doing. There will be people who will come to your ministry by the grace of God, will come to saving faith. Your church, when we first started this at Grace Community Church, and I mentioned we were going to do this as community outreach, but first and foremost, we want to make this available to you. I had about 10 people from the church that week who'd been in the church for years of life-dominating sins. And so I got my supervision hours done in like two months. Okay? You'd be surprised. Um, and so it's worthwhile. And so a quote here on that, a thriving counseling ministry flows from taking the time to lay a proper foundation through intentional preparation and then continuing to nurture all those involved through perpetual discipleship. And then the last point as we seek to do all this is to pray. All right, Psalm 121, or 127, 1, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. And so be dependent upon the Lord in this whole thing through prayer and ask that he would further establish your church, further establish you to reach the community and your church with the gospel and, and to more like Christ-likeness. All right. Well, I had more stories, but we're out of time, so let me pray for us and y'all can go get dinner. Father, we thank you for this conference that you've given to us. I thank you for each of these and their desire Father, to know more of you and your word as sufficient in their own lives, that their joy and delight uh, would increasingly uh, be in you and that you would further equip each of these that they might minister to others. I pray for each church represented here. Father, we pray that as a result of what's been learned here, that this would filter into our churches. We pray for the leadership of each church represented here, that, that they would likewise have a vision as a church, not just having a counseling ministry, but being a ministry of counseling. And Father, we ask that you go before us now. We pray for safety as we travel back and pray your blessings upon these truths as we meditate upon them, that they would indeed uh, find and bear much fruit in our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.